This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here, host of Now with Dave Brown on AMI-audio. We want to keep you in the now with information on news, sports, politics, technology, all curated and presented by members of the blind and partially sighted community. And that community includes me. But we don't want to do all the talking. We want to hear from you. Do you have an opinion on something you saw in the news? Is something affecting your community? Now is your chance to be heard. Listen to Now with Dave Brown wherever you subscribe to podcasts. I'm Juwita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. The transition to college or university has been described as life-changing. For many people, it's the first time living away from home, meeting new people, new academic responsibilities, and new experiences. For students with disabilities, there are familiar barriers, such as inaccessible classrooms and campuses, lack of textbooks in alternative formats, as well as stigma and isolation. And for students, regardless of ability, the exorbitant cost of post-secondary education can pose a barrier, with many students graduating with massive debt. With all that said, post-secondary education is nevertheless seen as an opportunity and as something that many people aspire for. Today, we discuss students with disabilities and post-secondary education. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Chuita Gupta and I'm the host of the program. It's great to be with you today. It's hard to believe that we flipped another page in the calendar and September is indeed upon us. It's, of course, that time of year when students from coast to coast return to college dorms and universities and resume another semester and another school year. Just as we get into today's topic, I want to remind you, as I do off the top of every program, that if you'd like to keep up with AMI-audio's coverage around COVID-19, you can visit ami.ca forward slash COVID-19. In the second half of today's program, we hear from Preston Swan-Marison, a high school student and the recipient of the 2020 Disability Credit Canada Scholarship for Canadian Students with a Disability. We'll hear from Preston about some of the things that he's looking forward to, some of the challenges and opportunities as he makes the transition from high school to university and the importance of having won this prestigious scholarship. But first, to talk more about Disability Credit Canada and their scholarship program, I'm joined by Isaac O'Hanna, Head of Business Development at DCC. Hello and welcome. It's so nice to have you on the program. Thank you very much. It's great being here. So, Isaac, tell us, for those of us who don't know, what is Disability Credit Canada? Disability Credit Canada is a private company dedicated to helping disabled Canadians receive the uh, get approved and receive the disability tax credit and CPP disability. Mm-hmm. So... When I applied for the disability tax credit, actually, what I should say is when my mother applied for the disability tax credit for me, um, one of the things that became apparent was that it's quite a complicated process. What are some of the challenges and barriers that people with disabilities might face if they try to do this on their own? That's a very good question. Um, You know, 
the disability uh, disability tax credit, uh, uh, as as you as you just uh, said, you know anybody can do it. Okay, anybody can do it. It's really simple. Uh, you you down you go to the CRA's website or you Google T twenty two one or disability tax credit, and you go and download uh, the the form the T twenty two one. You take it to your doctor. He fills it out. You sign it and you send it to the CRA. And it's supposed to be as easy as that. Uh, and you know, if you have uh, a disability, you know, the CRA seems as a, as a, as, as quote unquote eligible. Then you you get approved. Having mm-hmm. said that, um, the disability tax credit uh, uh, process. Um, is 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 simple. Getting approved is not so simple. So, when disabilities are quote unquote black and white, uh, you know, for example, a, a person uh, that has lost his his or her eyesight, or or mm-hmm. 100% deaf, or or maybe uh, cerebral palsy, which is you know really. Uh, has a, a dramatic effect on a person's uh, ability to to carry their their daily life then really it's it's simple and there's no you know quote unquote no problem really to get approved but but many of the disabilities that that you know people are facing uh, are you know not black and white are are on the gray scale for example mental disabilities ADHD learning disabilities I mean, I can name hundreds of them, but um, to to get approved for those uh, quote unquote gray uh, area disabilities where it's it's a little bit more difficult to prove the way they affect your daily living is is a bit of a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to have a, a very good doctor, supportive doctor that understands the criteria, that understands the way. You know, to demonstrate to the CRA how how you know the, the disability or the impairments affect your daily living, and then uh, uh, um, you know you submit it to the CRA. Uh, however, I, I don't have numbers exactly, but but there are many many times where um, the the applications get denied because uh, the person. That, uh, that applied or their medical professionals just do not know how to do that, how to apply those uh, impairments to what the CRA is looking for, and they, therefore mm-hmm. they get denied. And this is where Disability Credit Canada, uh, you know, we, we've helped, I would say, thousands of people by now. Uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but, but <laughs> obviously uh, but at least 1,000 or 2,000 uh, that that would help, and and you know you really need to formulate a case and, and demonstrate the CRA how the impairments affect your life. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who had a condition which was classified as a disability in Ontario, but not in Quebec, and that just caused so much confusion because when that person went to apply for the disability tax credit, it took um, I would say close to three years before they actually got a decision. It can be a lengthy process to get that approval. So Isaac, how do you actually work with clients? What's the way to get started if someone wants to work with you? Um, so so first of all, uh, in regards to your friend, uh, to be honest, I've never heard of anybody that took three years to get approved, but uh, we've had 
cases that took longer than a year, sometimes even a year and a half, uh, and then uh, applying, reapplying, uh, answering questions, etc. So uh, it, it does happen. It is a lengthy process. Just just to uh, you know, so the the, the the listener can understand a regular quote unquote uh, disability tax waiver application can take anywhere between six to nine months, uh, but sometimes it can even take longer. So, so you know, if somebody thinks that, uh, hey, I'm just sending the application to get approved, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way Disability Credit Canada, the way we work, it really is about, you know, us trying to understand how can we help the person on the other side of, 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 the, of the line. You know, most of our work is done uh, on the phone, so uh, a person will, will either find us uh, online or whatever, and they call in, and, or we call them. Um, and and we, the, the first step in the process is to understand the impairments, to understand how they affect the, the person's life. That's the, the first thing. And the second thing that we that we look at is, you know, let's say you got approved. Do you have those credits or, sorry, did you pay the taxes that will award you with those credits? So mm-hmm. we usually do an assessment. It's about 15 to 20 minute assessment where we, you know, we, we discuss those issues. Uh, you know, so supposedly, uh, you know, the person has a diabetes you know how how many times do you, do you check your blood, uh, uh, your, your your sugar in your blood? How you know how much time do you spend, uh, um, you know, administrating the insulin or whatever? Uh, are you paying taxes? Uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're not paying taxes, then maybe your your uh, your father or mother, if you live with a father or mother, or your your husband or your wife, are they paying taxes? Um, Etc. So the assessment is the first, uh, and it's a free assessment. We, we, we do a few dozen of these a day uh, where we, we try to understand if we take on John Smith, can we help them? And, and if we can, then we bring them in and, and you know, there's some some. Uh, documents to sign, etc. And we are a private company, so it is a, a no win, no fee. Uh, and 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 from our perspective, you know, we, we want to make sure that the assessment is good enough, so we can, uh, from the onset, understand. Okay, if we can help this person, is is he or she going to see money at the end of it? And then, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, our fees are coming out of that. So that right. that's the process. We, you know, it's it's a, just the beginning of the process, and then later we communicate with a doctor. We have a we have a team here that that you know we actually have a, a an actual doctor physician on our team. You know, we have a, a social workers on our team, etc. That that formulate those cases. Right. Now, today we are talking about post-secondary education and you, uh, Disability Credit Canada, have put out a scholarship program. It's fairly new. What can you tell us about it? Well, um, you know, first of all, it's, it's, it's exciting because last year was the 2019 was the first year that we introduced it. And, and the reason why we introduced it is, is we were thinking, OK, how can we 
engage with the community? What can we do to help, you know, just, just to give back to the community? And, and uh, there were a few, you know, we do uh, uh, a little bit of charity here and there, but, but we wanted to, to, to encourage uh, some young people. Uh, the, the scholarship is meant to help young disabled Canadians who are, you know, just finished high school, they're going into um, um, university or college, uh, and they are going into um, a community. Uh, they're going to learn some community-driven or, or 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 how to help or to be instrumental in their community. So, community studies or uh, firefighters or police. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I can't remember last year's uh, uh, recipient, a wonderful girl from, from BC, what, what she was uh, studying. But it's all about giving back to the community. Yeah. In the time that we have left, Isaac, can I ask you a little bit about how people might go about applying for this scholarship? So what are the eligibility criteria? Where do people go to apply? Do they need to write an essay? Uh, what do they need to know? Excellent. Uh, first of all, they go to disabilitycreditcanada.com, and uh, you can go to the, the bottom of the site. There's a link or, or at the top navigation. You go to, there's a page, how to apply. It really is simple. We, we just made it very simple. All you need to do is just, uh, you know, you need to be Canadian, okay, so uh, permanent resident or Canadian, etc. You need to have uh, some type of disability. Uh, you know, we we don't discriminate, obviously, on on whatever disability you have, and you need to uh, uh, prove that um, you're applied to go to universities. Uh, uh, that's that's the third criteria. The fourth is to write an essay. In the essay, you you've got to explain, um, you know, why we would uh, be awarding you this disability. And I tell you what, uh, I know we're running out of time, but uh, this year was amazing. We got so many uh, uh, great entries. It was so difficult. You know, the way we did it is, is we printed out all of the essays, we printed out all of the information, and throughout the office, everybody had, you know, read this and that, and we voted on, on the winner. And uh, I'm very happy to say the person was definitely uh, almost unanimous vote. Well, we'll be talking to Preston in just a few minutes, but Isaac, it was really wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you very much. That was Isaac Ohana, the head of business development for Disability Credit Canada, who talked to us about their organization, some of the work that they do to support Canadians with disabilities, access the disability tax credit and other forms of federal assistance, as well as the uh, uh, giving us a bit of a rundown of their scholarship program. I know from looking at their website that you might even be able to start applying for the 2021 scholarship. We'll put a link to the website on our blog. It's my great pleasure to welcome now to the program the recipient of the 2020 Disability Credit Canada Scholarship, a high school student who is now going to be a first-year student in the social services program at the University of Windsor. My great pleasure to welcome to the Pulse, Preston Swan Marison. Hello and welcome to the program, Preston. It's so nice to have you. Hi, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Well, first of all, congratulations. This is a, a really big deal. You must have been quite happy about it. What does it yeah. mean to have won the scholarship? 
I was uh, super excited when I heard uh, my name got chosen out of everyone around Canada. And I was just honored to uh, receive the scholarship for sure. Well, you know, it is a quite, uh, you have quite a, a prominent resume. You've done a lot of work within the community. As, and I would love to talk to you a little more about it. But just tell us, Preston, what has the impact of your disability been on your life? It's definitely, uh, it was just a life-changing moment for me. And it really helped me mm-hmm. open up for what I never thought I could have done before with all my volunteer work and just how like type 1 diabetes really just impacted my life and mm-hmm. had me just help more others like others like me and around the community. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, living with type 1 diabetes is going to pose some challenges for you uh, when you embark on your journey in post-secondary education? What are some of the challenges that you're anticipating? Um, obviously like keeping my levels between four and six which is like where you want to keep your uh, blood sugar levels normalized mm-hmm. and just like managing my diabetes properly make sure I'm eating and testing as I would be at, like as if I'm at home and just keeping on top of everything would be probably like a challenge as like school's heavier loads and just harder around um, the university and stuff. Yeah, no, it's true. Because, you know, when I started at university, it was quite a while back, um, I found that I was skipping meals, pulling all-nighters, doing all kinds of things that are frankly really bad for your health. And I think if, you know, one is living with type 1 diabetes and you have to monitor your levels, one has to be so disciplined about how much you eat, what you eat, when you eat, right? Exactly. Just keeping on top of everything and being away too will be a challenge as well because I won't have my parents around to help me. And it's more I'm on my own and I have to keep up on top of everything. Right. That's like one of the things that I said right off the top of the program, that it's often the first time that people are living away from home. Is that what you're planning to do? Will you be living away from home uh, Uh, when you go to the University of Windsor? Because of COVID right now, um, I'll be at home uh, doing my online studies. Mm. And then for second semester, they might open back up, depending on how COVID and all the rules are by then. So it's really, mm-hmm. you don't really know, but I'll, de- I'll be definitely at home for first semester. Well, at least that's a bit of a, a way to ease yourself in. You know, yeah, it's a strange sure. time to be starting at college or university. Um, I mean, it's a big transition for anyone. But when you throw COVID-19 into the mix, it's a whole other kettle of fish. So uh, tell us about the ways in which you think COVID-19 has changed your experience. I don't see some of those more traditional Frosh Week activities taking place, no, for instance. It's, it's for sure something different and new because... Obviously, you can't be there in person, and there's no, there's no dorms, and you can't meet new people. So it's more so you have to like go out and socialize through social media mm-hmm. and online with your teachers, and keeping up with with that somehow online. More so, where, where if you were in person, it'd be easier to communicate and get along and know like your classmates and everything. Oh, for sure. Um, you know. One of the things that I've heard about you is that you are quite a well-known hockey player. Um, (laughs) I can't play hockey to save my life. In fact, I was at ice level once and I said, oh my God, it's too cold. Get me away from here. (laughs) Uh, Tell me a little little bit about uh, where this love of hockey comes from. And is that something you plan to keep up with while you're at university? Yeah, um, I'm actually going to play probably junior hockey down in Windsor this year. That's Mm. what I'm planning on doing. And um, I've always just loved the sport, and it's just something that, like, I've really just always loved to play, and, like, I've never been someone to just not love the sport, and it keeps me um, just athletic, and it's nice to, like, also have as, like, a challenge for my diabetes, and, like, 
working with that and keeping my levels uh, like mid-range during games and keeping strong with that. So can you tell me a little bit about how, you know, you play a lot of hockey, you're obviously very involved in your community. How has all of that community involvement helped you spread the message about living with diabetes, um, helped you try and challenge some of the stigma around living with a disability? It's helped me obviously educate more people around me as like my friends and new and new people I meet and educating them on what really diabetes is and like how they can help me and sometimes they can help me like by coming out to community events I organize or just just small things and I just like letting giving more people the opportunity to know what really type 1 diabetes is in the community. Tell me a little bit about some of the volunteer work you've done. You've had quite a lot of involvement with your local community. So what are some of the things that you're involved with? Um, I'm involved with JDRF, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation, and I've uh, done walks and raised money um, for them. And uh, I also do uh, socks for the homeless at my high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually organize that myself, and it's where oh. we collect socks for the homeless. That's That's really important. Yeah, so uh, that was uh, started when I was in grade 9. And uh, I just keep doing that every year. And that's like, I find that's one of my, I I love doing that the most, I think. It's one of my favorite, like, fundraisers I've done, I find. Mm. Do you feel that people understand what it is to live with type 1 diabetes? I mean, you get it if you live with it every day. But I feel like if you don't experience it firsthand, there's probably this whole aura of mystery around it. Do you feel that people understand what your day-to-day life is like? No, I feel like some people don't really understand what type 1 diabetes really is about. And it's like while managing your body, just more Mm -hmm. than a normal, obviously more than an average person would with testing, um, eating right and eating properly with how many carbs and your uh, boluses and your basal rates and it's just like it's more so like a 24 7 hour kind of job i would say is how Mm. i explain it to people Right. Now, you know, you're starting at the University of Windsor in the social services program. That sounds really promising. What are you planning to do with your degree? Um, well, so my program is actually concurrent education. Hmm. And so I'll become a, I'm hoping after my five years to become a, t- a French teacher. Oh, cool. And maybe we'll go from there, maybe teach at like my high school or I'm not really too sure. But I'm getting my uh, teaching degree in uh, French. Oh, ça va bien. Really? <laughs> <laughs> <Très> bien. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that a lot of students worry about when they make the transition to college or university is just figuring out how to balance having a life with needing to keep up with uh, schoolwork, trying to make sure that they have some involvement outside of the classroom. How are you hoping to find that fine balance? Uh, I'm trying to find it just by playing hockey and just keeping on top of my studies, obviously like study groups and have like people I want to surround myself with that can help me and push me uh, and help me along the way. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for people in your position? There's a lot of people in high school who might be second guessing the choice to go to university. What would you say to them? I would say if you want to pursue uh, post-secondary, definitely do so sooner than later because you want to have, you don't want to be behind and have that pushed away more so feels like if you're afraid or like something's holding you back, I'd say for sure go ahead and just push through it and find really what you love and pursue it. 
So don't be afraid to like take a chance on it. Do you worry about the amount of debt you're likely to have at the end of it? Because oh uh, yeah, uh, I mean, <laughs> try not to think of it too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you? Uh, you know, one of the things that's one of the arguments that's been circulating, at least on the internet and over some other radio stations and uh, on news media, is this idea that if you're a student going to school this fall, you're not going to get the full experience. You're not going to be able exactly, to use yeah. the gym. Uh, do you feel that you should get a break on your tuition or uh, get yeah, a reduced I tuition? I feel like you should because you're going to be at home studying online, and it's just like you know, it's not like you're at the university on campus with your prof where you can get that one-on-one help as well. So it's for sure, like, I feel like the prices are still raised high for what yeah. we're doing with COVID. And do you feel that having won this scholarship, it's going to make a bit of a dent in oh, that yeah, tuition? Sure. I, was just, <laughs> I was just about to say that scholarship will help me out, out very much as well. Well, it's a wonderful, uh, it's been wonderful speaking to you. It's a great thing to put on your resume as well. Preston, thank you very much for being on the program. Thank I had so you. much fun speaking to you. Also, um... Uh, another thing I forgot to mention was um, I've also made a book about type 1 diabetes and hockey. Oh. My uh, two like passions, I guess I could say. I just mm. love reading and writing. And uh, I just involved, I was, um, when I was diagnosed, I didn't really have anything or any knowledge about type 1 diabetes. So when I was 14, I decided to help like someone like my age when I was 9 who got diagnosed and had no clue of diabetes um, to make a book about uh, type 1 diabetes and hockey to have that interest of and knowledge of what really type 1 diabetes is and to help other kids my age. Well, Preston, you're full of surprises. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing yeah, no that problem. with us. We'll make sure to put the info on our blog. Perfect. Thanks a lot for being on the program. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. That was Preston Swan Marison, who is a author, who is a hockey player, and now an undergraduate student at the University of Windsor in a concurrent education program, hoping to become a high school teacher, was the recipient of the 2020 Disability Credit Canada Scholarship that we talked about earlier in the program. If you missed any of my conversation today, you're welcome to check out the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. And of course, you can head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse, where we'll put up the link to Disability Credit Canada, their scholarship page, as well as a link to Preston's book. I think there's so many good things that can be said as a person with a disability about both the challenges and the opportunities inherent in going to post-secondary education. I think the cost is a barrier, and that's just being realistic. Uh, When we think about the massive amounts of debt that people with disabilities and even people without disabilities take on after they graduate, it's often quite shocking when you consider the rates of employment for the disability community. With all of that said, though, I still think it's a wonderful opportunity to expand your mind incorporate new experiences, meet new people. So if you think that university or college is something that you want to do, I would highly encourage you to pursue it. With that said, I'd like to thank Isaac Ohana as well as Preston Swan Marison for being on the program today. The technical producer for The Pulse is Nisreen Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is our manager at AMI-audio. And Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. We would love to hear from you on the program. You can always send us an email, write to feedback at ami.ca. Find us on Twitter at AMI-audio. Use the hashtag PulseAMI. You can find me on Twitter at Juwita Gupta if you like. You can follow me and I will follow you back. Thanks a lot for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day.
This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.